Well, good morning, y'all. Well, if you're between the ages of 18 and 29, you don't want to miss the Roundup Rodeo at Countryside. I know some of you are like, I can't believe they're doing line dancing at church. You know, our founding pastor, he said to me very early on, he said, Glenn, it's all a tool. If God can use this tool to bring people in, it may be a barbecue, it may be a mechanical bull, it may be some country line dancing, but guess what they're gonna get? They're gonna get some Jesus when they come through the doors of that youth center right there. So it's a great night for you to come. It's going to be amazing. Wednesday nights, how many were here Wednesday night? The parking lot was packed out. So I wanna let you know, this is what's happening on Wednesday night. I love pastoring a church where we have people that are hungry for the things of God. Worship, was worship powerful today? You know what what makes worship powerful when we gather? Is when we see 100% participation of people crying out to God and soaking in his presence. I could just feel the presence of God. Wednesday night, what's happening? There was a few years ago we had maybe 200 people, 300 people, just three or four or five years ago. We had 1,000 people in church this past Wednesday night. It's amazing. And then to see a group of people hungry for the deep things of God, countryside. We have over 450 people signed up for Pastor Tim's verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. It's amazing. And then the men had 120, the women had almost 200, the youth had close to 300 people. God is moving countryside. It's an exciting time to be a part of all that God's doing. Also wanna thank you for the diaper drive. While I was out, we had a diaper drive, canned food drive, and I wanna give you some of the results. So in the, mar- in the month of August, we had over 33,000 diapers that came in. No. 33,000 wipes, 16,000 diapers. But you know what that equals, 16,000, 33,000? A lot of clean booties in the Tampa Bay area is what that means. Had over 100 cans and boxes of formula that came in, over 5,000 pounds of food that came in to help people that are hurting and are in need. So thank you for what you're doing. It's exciting what God's doing. This is week two of a series that we're entitled Joshua, Leading with a Promise. Last week we started off and we were talking about the importance of being the best you that you can be. You see, Joshua was called to lead the Israelites into the promised land. It wasn't Moses, it was Joshua that was called by God to lead them into the promised land. You see, Moses disobeyed God, but Joshua, and through this series, we're gonna be looking at different leadership traits, different things and aspects of his leadership and the way that he led people, the way he used his influence to make a difference in that critical moment of history. We saw Moses do great things. We saw Moses lead. He was the guy who can follow Moses. Can you imagine following Moses? That's kind of how I felt following Pastor Lloyd. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm going to fail. But you see, God called Moses to lead the Israelites. He didn't call, he called Joshua. He didn't call Moses. He called Joshua 
just who he was. He was a loyal leader. He followed God with his whole heart. He followed Moses and was loyal to him. And God raised him up for such a time as this. And he said to him, be strong and be courageous because I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. And that was something we got last year. In a world that's gone crazy, God wants you to use the influence that you have to make an impact on the world that God's called you to impact. You see, so many people I think, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I, I'm not a small group leader. I'm, I'm really not a leader at all. Hear me. There are people that are in your life that you have influence of, that things that you say to them, it matters, and they take it to heart. That's what leadership is. And if we could see this church begin to take very seriously the call of leadership that God has on each one of us, and to begin to step into the influence that God's placed on each one of our lives, let me tell you, there's nothing gonna hold us back. You can feel God moving right now, and he's moving through you as you're stepping out in obedience, listening to God, and being obedient to what God's called you to do and who God's called you to be. So in week two, as we get into week two, this is a very, very important week. But before I get into that, I wanna just stop for a moment. We are blessed today to have with us Pastor Nick Panico, one of my closest friends. He's the pastor of New Hope Church. But more than that, I wanna go back just a little bit. An amazing church. I visited there just a few weeks ago. God's moving there. It's a great, great church. But Pastor Nick was part of the 80s and the 90s movement here at Countryside. He was one of the main pe preaching pastors here during the 80s and the 90s. And when we saw rapid movement and the revival happening in the Tampa Bay area, Pastor Nick Panico was a huge part of that. But more than that, he's the one that stepped up for me and got me hired here in the 90s. So, if you like your pastor, tell Pastor Panico, because I could be somewhere else. And they could have hired some loser, but they didn't. So, will you just show your appreciation and welcome Pastor Nick today? We're so glad that you're here, Pastor. So this is the stage of Joshua in his ministry where God begins to tell him, this is what you need to do to bring the Israelites into the promised land. And they come up unto the Jordan River, and the Jordan River at this stage in, in, in its history and at this time of the month of the year, it was a flooding river, it was a rushing river, and it was a very dangerous place not only for just one person, but to imagine hundreds of thousands and millions of people going across the Jordan River. But God made it clear, this is where we're going, and I'm gonna show you exactly how to do it. And so he told Joshua, what I want you to do is I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant, and I want the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and walk out to the center of the Jordan River, and I'll take care of the rest. Now, think about this. All of these people, there's people that are crippled, there's people that are sick, there's people that are elderly, and all they see is a rushing Jordan River. And Moses says, hey, God's got this. 
Do you ever look at circumstances in your life and you think, there's no way. Look at my bank account. It's impossible. Or maybe you look and you look at your job situation and you think, I am so unhappy, it's impossible. I'm never gonna be happy. Here they are. They're excited to go in the promised land, but there's a rushing river in front of them. And Joshua says, just, just calm down. Let's just trust God in this. And so the word says that the priests, when they stepped out onto the water, into the Jordan River, immediately they stepped on dry land. So here's the thing, when we're in God's economy and we're doing things with God and the authority in submission to God and what he wants to do in our lives, there are unexplained miracles that he will do in our lives that no one can explain except for God. How many have seen that in your life? That's the God that we serve. Immediately, they said there was a dam that was invisible that formed in the north, and it was dry land, and they crossed the Jordan River. You see, that had happened before with Moses in the Red Sea. When the Red Sea was split in half, and God was showing him, see, Joshua, you're looking at things I did for Moses, and you think that I'm not going to do not only that, but I'm going to do more through your leadership than I even did with Moses, but I'm just looking for you to be obedient, to take the step out and allow me to do the rest. There he was. As he was with Moses, God was with Joshua. As he was with Joshua, church, God is with you. As a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, sometimes you may feel alone. Sometimes you may feel abandoned. Sometimes you may feel lost. But hear me, church, our God is with us every step of the way when we're walking in obedience to him. Can you say amen? Joshua chapter five, verse one. It says, now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard of how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. The Canaanites and the Amorites, they were some bad dudes. They were mean, they were nasty, they were known for their cruelty to the human race, the way they tortured people, to the point of even human sacrifice and child sacrifice. So them watching the Israelites coming into their territory, they were like, no big deal, bring them on. This is nothing. But one moment seeing of what God did, one minute of what God did, froze their hearts, melted their hearts, in fear because they saw that this wasn't just a group of people, but this is a group of people that are serving the one true God that can do a miracle upon miracle upon miracle in a moment went from a rushing river to dry land. That's the God we serve. Verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn. And he asked Joshua, went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Verse 14, it says, neither. 
But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. So Joshua, they go through the Jordan River, and he goes ahead, and he goes to this mighty figure. It was an angel, big, strong, yielding a sword. And he wasn't weak. Joshua wasn't scared. He just wanted to know, I don't know who you are, but what I do need to know, are you with me or are you against me? And the angel of the Lord said, I'm not with either of you. I'm on God's side. So often we, we think, God, I want you to be on my side. We look at what we want, and we are filled in a culture that is constantly teasing us about we're only going to be successful if we have this, if we own this, if we drive this, if our hair looks a certain way, if our makeup looks a certain way, if the way we dress looks, then, then we'll be okay. God's not looking for any of those things. He's looking for a devoted group of people that love him and love others. You see, I can remember a defining moment in my life where I really made the decision, I am going to do things God's way. It's not always easy, I want you to know that. It's not always popular. It's not always something that people will cheer you on with, but I'll never forget when I graduated Countryside High School in 1983. I had a music scholarship, and I went to Louisiana. And when I was in Louisiana, I had, within three days, I was already invited to five parties. These Cajuns knew how to party. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And it was a moment, I'll never forget, going to my dormitory and looking in the mirror, and God spoke to me. He says, you, Glenn, you make the choice right now. Who will you serve? Oh, you could go and do it the world's way. You could have all these friends. You could party it. You could party it up and do all this stuff. Or you can get your butt back home, get in church, and you can do things my way. Listen, it wasn't popular. People thought I was crazy. They had just had a party for me leaving the week before. And there were people crying at that party. And now I got to come back. It was embarrassing. But I came back, I got involved in church, I began to serve God with everything in me. Did it all of a sudden become easy when I made that decision? I want you to know that when you make a decision to serve God and to go his way, it's not always gonna be easy. I didn't have any friends because God said, if you're gonna do it my way, I want you to submit all these areas of your life to me. And the first area was with my friendships. What? These are some of my childhood friends. Yeah, but the, you know, are they drawing you close to God or are they drawing you away from God? I knew. I had to make a sacrifice and it was lonely. I had to submit my future to God. I had to submit my career to God. I came back. It wasn't like I came back and then was a CEO of a company. I came back and I worked at surf, service merchandise for $3.35 an hour in the housewares department. That's not cool. It wasn't even sporting goods. It was housewares. But let me tell you, I gave it all I had. I can still talk to you, anyone. I'll talk to you about a crock pot for a New York minute. 
I will talk to you about can openers. I will tell you back then the microwave ovens were just like a dial that you turned. I knew the best microwave ovens. For me, I was like, this is like end time stuff. I can't believe it. Turn a knob. And a minute later, it's hot. Oh, this is revelation. (laughs) But I was obedient in the small things. And then God began to bless me in the larger things. See, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to be on his side, to look at the word of God, and to do things the way God has called us to live our lives, how we are to be in relationships, how we are to be in our marriage, how we are to be as a parent. Every area of our life is covered in the word of God that shows us how to do things God's way. But we would live in a world that says, oh no, it's all about me. It's about what I want. It's about what I feel. It's about what makes me happy. If it feels good, do it. What's the world screaming at us? The opposite of what God's saying. God's saying, I will bless you. I will have favor on your life. I will do things and make a way where there seems to be no way, but I want you on my side. I want you to do things my way. And when we begin to do that, you'll see breakthrough in areas you never saw breakthrough in your life before. So number one, what is God looking for us to do is to submit to God's side. Joshua asked the angels, whose side are you on? Are you with us or are you against us? Joshua 5, 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied. He said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, And Joshua did just that. It was a defining moment. Was Joshua going to submit to the way of the Lord and do and live his life and lead with God's way of leading? Or was he gonna do it the way he wanted to do? See, every one of us have those moments. You see, we live in Florida. We take our shoes off because we're going to the beach. We take our shoes off. I ran around my whole childhood without shoes. Nothing. But in Scripture, we see it with Moses at the burning bush. And we see it here with Joshua where he said, humble yourself. This is holy ground. This is sacred ground. And I want you to know this. When you come to church every Sunday, if you walk in and you say, I am going to experience God. This is holy ground. This is where I'm going to meet my Savior face to face. This is where I'm going to dive into his presence with praise and worship. This is where I'm gonna hear the preaching and the teaching of God's word. If you humble yourself and you submit yourself to God's way, I want you to know, no matter what that day may look like, God's going to speak to you. God's going to encourage you. God's going to lift you up because we're standing on holy ground. Joshua was standing on holy ground and he submitted himself to the way of the Lord. We see where when people go into the army or they go into the Navy, they're sworn in. And when they're sworn in, they're sworn in by their allegiance to live and die and obey the leadership of the Marine Corps or the Army for the betterment of the United States of America. How much greater it is as believers in Jesus Christ to submit not whether we live or die, but the way that we act and the way that we love and the way that we react to people to live our lives according 
to his word. You see, Joshua submitted himself to God, and then he came up upon the gates of Jericho. So he was in holy ground before the the angel of the Lord, and then went to Jericho, and Jericho was this huge city with massive walls and huge gates, and the people that lived in there were trained. They were armed. They were ready to do battle and ready to do war, and it made no sense at all of what they were going to do. Joshua chapter six, verse two, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king, its fighting men. But how? How could a bunch of Israelites that have been wandering around for all of these years, now going into the promised land, how could they take on the city of Jericho? In your notes, sometimes following God doesn't always make sense. You see, there's things that is God's way, and God teaches us through his word, through scripture, that completely looks completely different than the world's way. I'll give you an example. Tithing. That makes no sense to the world. Tithing. To give 10% to the work of the gospel and to, to sow into holy ground and to sow into the work of God. That makes no sense. Come on, Pastor Glenn, really, you gonna go there? Yes, I'm really gonna go there. But inflation, Pastor Glenn, 9.1%. I'll give 0.9 then to God. It's amazing, I've seen it over and over and over in my life. I've seen where God has shown up and done miracles in my finances where it didn't make any sense. But yet, it was God's favor and God's blessing upon my finances. I've learned I can do a whole lot more of 90% that is blessed by Almighty God than to take 100% and do it selfishly for my will. How many have seen that in your life? God's good. The world's all about me, but God's word is all about being others-focused. Focusing and loving on others Being about the work of the gospel is about being at the work of loving people and caring for people. You know, as a church, we sow almost $150,000 out of our general funds to fund Helping Hands Ministry. A lot of churches, and a lot of churches don't do that because it's expensive. It's expensive with the trucks, it's expensive with the staff, it's expensive with the insurance. But look what God's called us to do. We can give out of ourselves and feed thousands upon thousands of families every single month. Last year, we gave over three million pounds of food away by simply loving people through the ministry of Helping Hands. You're a part of that. It's it's different. God's way is different. Join a group. A lot of men are like, I don't wanna join a group. I'm a guy, I'm tired during the week. I don't feel, then I gotta talk. I don't wanna talk. Hey, listen, I'm an introvert. I understand that. But guess what? I'm part of a group. I have people that are in my life. I think of Pastor Nick. I think of Pastor Tim. I think of different pastors that I am in fellowship with that I'm accountable to, that I'm able to bounce things off. Oftentimes in churches, being a pastor can be a very lonely place and they can feel all alone. I'm gonna fight like heck not to be all alone. We are better together. We're better. 
And when you begin to make friends in the body of Christ, look what God will do in you and through you. Go to church. People right now, they're at the beach thinking the last place I would ever want to go is church on a Sunday morning in Florida. But look, there's at least as many people in first service as well. Of people that are saying, no, I'm going to church. I'm going to break the cycle of what this world is trying to teach. I'm going to dedicate myself to the things of God. Because when I come to church, I'm being filled up with the Spirit of God. When I come to church, I get encouraged. I get lifted up. Church is an important place. God says, don't, don't not come to church and, and fellowship together. Assembling of yourselves is so important. But you know, 1.8 times a month is the average Christian is what they go. I don't know how they get that point eight. But they say the average Christian goes to church 1.8 times a month. I say it's time for us to break that trend because you know what? Not only are you getting filled up with the word of God, but your neighbors are seeing you leave at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning every single week. It's a testimony. As for me in my house, we're gonna serve the Lord in Jesus' name. And then let them know. People are like, what are you doing? Are you just like blowing incense around there? Let them know. Church at Countryside is fun. We laugh together. We cry together. You got a pretty cool pastor. Yeah? No, you don't, I'm just kidding. Let me tell you, there was a time that God really called me to do something that made no sense. It was around 2012. We just built this building. It had gone way over budget. It was a desperate time. We were barely making ends meet. And then I felt God speak to me, and he said, I want you to rebuild the student center. I'm like, Lord, can't I catch a break here? This is, this is hard. Can, can I just kind of coast a little bit? I've gone through some hard seasons here. He said, no. My heart is for the people. My, my heart is to open up to lost people and hurting people. And we got the estimates and it comes in, it was gonna cost two and a half million dollars to completely rebuild. And so I said, thank you. No, we're not doing that. And the Lord said, why won't you trust me? And so I was just about to cancel the entire campaign and I went to a pastor's meeting in Tampa. And at this pastor's meeting, the head pastor of that church gets up and he says, all you senior pastors, you get up and you tell your people how good God is and how God's gonna do a miracle in your life to be obedient to what God's called you to do, but yet as pastors, we walk in fear and we don't trust God. And I was like, And I was praying the night before that church service on the Sunday, it was Saturday night, and the Lord said, now what are you gonna do? And I was like, I just, I'm not gonna do it. It's just too hard. You ever feel like sometimes it's just too hard? But you see, when it's too hard, that's when God shows up the greatest, is when you step out in obedience, when it's not comfortable and it's not easy, and I told Elaine on the way to church that day, I said, you know what, I just don't think it's the time, I don't think we're gonna do it. That Sunday, someone donated $100,000 to go to the student center. And that Monday when I heard that, I said, okay God, you made it very clear. 
And guess what ended up happening? Two and a half million dollars came in through your gifts of financial support because you're a congregation that says, we are going to stand for the next generation. At that time, at that time, there were maybe 50 kids in high school and middle school. Guess what? Now, every Wednesday night, we see between three and 500 high school and middle schoolers right next door in that student center. The young adults at the time had seven, seven young adults. Last, one, last Tuesday night, they had over 130 young adults. This week, we'll probably have close to 200 young adults yeehawing and line dancing over in the student center. We have basketball groups, we have volleyball groups. It's used every single day as a home gym. We have basketball leagues for our kids. If I would not have been obedient to God, if I would have just stayed in my comfort zone, where it was easy and it was comfortable, I would have missed out on really what God had called me to do for the next stage and the next growth of our church. I want you to hear me. There are people in here today, God is putting things on your heart to do, to step out in faith and to do for the kingdom of God. Wait, maybe it's to serve, maybe it's to use your business, whatever it is, when you're obedient to God, even when it's not comfortable and it doesn't make sense, that's when God's supernatural favor will show up in your life in ways you never could imagine or think of. You see, that's what happened with Joshua with Jericho. Listen, listen to what God told Joshua to do with Jericho. Joshua chapter six, starting in verse three. He said, march around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And when the priests blow their trumpets, and when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse, and the army will go up straight. Everyone will go straight in. Can you imagine this? Hey, guys, I'm Joshua. Here's your plan. You ready? They're like holding their spears. They've got their swords out. They're like, yeah, let's go. Let's, get, let's go. I'm ready. Oh, oh, put those down. Put your weapons. Guys, put your weapons down. I've got the word of the Lord. Are you ready? We're going to march quietly once a day for six days. Now, can you imagine some of the, some of the uh, what? I'm, I'm doing a typical guy. What, Josh, what'd, you, what'd he say? Six times. And then on the seventh time, we're gonna march around seven times and we're gonna blow our horns. That's when he would've got my attention. I played the trumpet in high school, so I'd been like, all right, now I'm in. Makes no sense whatsoever. But he said, it may not make sense, but trust me, God is with us. And if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. Trust God. And they marched around. They blew their trumpets. They went crazy. And the walls came tumbling down. Remember that song? Joshua hit the battle of Jericho. I'm not going to go too much, Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim goes, do not sing. Do not sing. I'm not going to sing. 
but the walls came tumbling down, made no sense. But guess what? There are spiritual walls around each one of us that God wants to bring down simply by being obedient in the small things that he's called us to walk out. Not the comfortable things. Not the time maybe for some of you when you're at your Thanksgiving dinner with some of your crazy relatives and he wants you to pray. Oh, Lord, not that. Pray. They might think I'm a religious freak or something. No, you know what they'll think? Wow, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. We need more of that in this family. Let's go. But when you're obedient to God, that's what happens. And then they came upon another city that they needed to conquer. And they thought, oh, this will be easy. There's a, so they sent in 3,000 people to conquer the city, and they began to lose. And come to find out the reason that they were losing was someone in their tribe stole some of the things from Jericho. They stole a robe. They stole silver. They stole gold. And when you have sin in the camp, God doesn't play when there's sin in the camp. You may get away with it for just a little while, but I want you to know, when there's sin in the camp, we can see destruction in our families, in our homes, in our churches. We see it in religion organization where God's hand was so strongly upon them, but when there's sin in the camp, he takes his hand off. That's the same thing with sin in our lives. We could say, well, it's private. Nobody knows. It's not affecting anyone. Pastor Glenn, why you got to go there? It was all good. Joshua leading on. Now you got to talk about sin. When there's sin in the camp, the favor of God will be lifted. Joshua chapter 7, starting verse 12, says, The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? 11, verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put with them their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and they run because they have been able to be liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you has been devoted to destruction. So God went to all these people, ended up at Achan. Achan admitted to it, and Achan ended up dying, but Achan's sin affected the people around him. It affected his family in a huge way. Sometimes we think it's our sin, it's our own private life that we're living, but our sin life, our private sin life, our secret sin life will eventually affect the ones we love the most. You see, sin separates Sin divides. Sin robs us of intimacy with our Savior and our God. God wants us to live a holy life, to be holy because he's holy. So the last point in your notes, what does God look for us and from us? To submit everything to God. To not hold back. To give God everything in our life. To give God the secret things in our life, give him the private things, give him the past things. You see, so many people, they, they live a life of hurt and they feel stuck because they're not living their life completely surrendered to God. So, well, Pastor Glenn, I'm here. Why, why are you talking about, listen, it's easy for us to carve out our one hour and 10 minutes. And, and I've got, oh, I've just set my time limit right now. Some of you are looking at that clock saying, all right, Pastor, let's go. You're in the red. But you see, God's not looking for a carved out little section of our life. 
He's looking for every part of our heart. How many of you guys have some of these like in your um, attic or maybe in your garage? I have these all over my garage. And last night I was looking for an extension cord and I found a box like this filled with extension cords. But sometimes in our heart, it's like a box like this. It's a storage crate that we could just leave it in storage, but eventually we're gonna need to find out what's inside of this. Eventually we're gonna need what the contents are or we're gonna need to get rid of them so that we can have a space that's cleared up because if you have a wife like mine, she doesn't like clutter. So I gotta do something about my boxes. But what about the boxes that represents our heart and the things that we carry that we've not surrendered to God? Oh, like shame. So many people are paralyzed in shame because they feel like, how could a God love me because I've done this, or I used to do that, or I've robbed God, or I've done this person wrong. Listen, that's what Jesus went to the cross for, was to deliver us from sin and shame. The blood of Jesus Christ applied to our heart will deliver you from shame. Unforgiveness, Pastor Glenn, that's mine. You don't know what happened, you don't know what they did to me, I'm not forgiven, just leave me alone. Guess what, we let unforgiveness begin to stew in our heart, it begins to rot areas of our heart, and it begins to affect our attitude, it begins to affect the relationship that God wants and desires with us because we carry unforgiveness in our heart. When we say, God, apply the blood of Jesus to my unforgiveness, let me tell you, it will change everything. What about a past hurt? So many people, they tell me I'm stuck and I can't get past this one area of hurt. It may have happened when they were six years old, 10 years old. Could have been a best friend that betrayed them. Could have been an ex-boyfriend that cheated with his girl, the girlfriend or whatever, and they carry it around and they're not able to fully function in the body of Christ because they're carrying a hurt that they won't give to Jesus. I wanna encourage you, God wants it all. Regret, oh, worry, am I the only one? Worry, well, if I worry enough, then, then I'll figure it out. God doesn't want us to figure it out, he wants us to cast our cares upon him because he loves and cares for us. Fear, oh my goodness, so many people carrying around fear and it's holding you back from where God wants you to be. And ultimately, rejection. Rejection. We're afraid of what people think. You know what I want? I wanna, I wanna be on God's side. I wanna do it God's way. And I wanna give it all to him, once and for all. Because when the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to these areas of our heart, forgiveness flows freely. Healing comes freely into us and through us. Worry is gone when we cast our cares upon Jesus Christ because he loves and he cares for us. I wanna close with this scripture. It's Proverbs chapter three, starting at verse five. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everyone say all. All of it. It doesn't say part of it. 
It doesn't say the part that's easy, the part that's comfortable. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And then guess what? It's then that he will make your paths straight. Maybe in your Christian walk, you have been on a ride where it's up and down. Here we go. All right, I'm, I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm offended. I'm not offended. Okay, I'm back in church. I'm out of church. When we submit our ways to him and we begin to trust him with our entire being and all of our heart, he promises that it's then that he will make our paths way straight. You know what's on, on straight? peace. You, you know what's on that straight pathway? Joy. The love of the Lord. You know what's on that? His desires, not my desires. You know what's his ways, not my ways. You know what's on that straight street? When we acknowledge him in all of our ways and he keeps it straight is when we have reconciled relationships with people that we used to hate. It's on that street. It's on that pathway. When we surrender all to God and we trust him with even the hardest part, the parts that oftentimes we hold on to, because you see, if we hold on to unforgiveness, worry, pain, unforgiveness, that's right where the enemy wants you to be. Captured, locked in a prison, filled with hate, regret, and shame. But I got good news, church. When we give it all to God, God begins to show favor in our lives, and he begins to bless us in ways we never thought possible when we surrender our ways to his ways. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer today. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that comes from knowing you, that comes from putting you first when it comes to loving you. So I pray, God, for those in this congregation right now, I pray, Lord, that you would show us how to trust you fully, that you would show us how to release our cares to you, and you could show us on how to go on that street that is paved by your favor and your glory that is straight. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're one of those people that God may have had a little slice of your life, but today you're feeling challenged and compelled that you wanna surrender it all to him. I'm not gonna beg you, I'm just gonna tell you this. God loves you, God's got a plan just for you. God's got a future that is so strong and he wants you in the middle of it. But the only way you're gonna be in the middle of his perfect will for your life is when you're completely surrendered to him. And if that's you today, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor Glenn, pray for me. That's what I want. Today is my day to surrender all to Christ. One, two, three. That's you, raise your hands. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, raise it up high. Look at me when you do, yes, yes, I see your hands. I see that row in the back, yes. Thank you, I see your hand coming to the middle, yes, yes. I see your hand and yours and yours and yours, yes. Yes, I see your hand and yours. 
Yes, thank you. This is a moment between me, you, and God. I see your hand and yours. Thank you, sir. See your hand on the side. Yes, yes, yes. Let me tell you, when we begin to surrender to God as a church body, and we begin to passionately seek after the King of kings and the Lord of lords, get ready, church, because there is a nuclear Jesus explosion getting ready to happen at Countryside Christian Church. Can you say amen to that? Can you pray with me for the sake of all those that raised their hand today? Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. You gave your life so that I might be free, that I might be whole, that I might know you intimately. Today, I surrender all. Every area of hurt in my life, every area of unforgiveness in my life, I give it to you. And I thank you that you're healing me from the inside out. Today, I give my life to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, and my God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I love you so much, church. You're a wonderful, wonderful people. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. How many of you feel encouraged today after that message? That was just so good. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? And as you stand, if the altar prayer team would please come to the front. I'm gonna say a blessing over you in just a second, but after I do, if you'd like prayer for any reason, please come see one of these altar prayer team members. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time in your life, really giving your heart to Jesus Christ, we also have a gift for you. It's a book called A Fresh Start with God to bless you and to help you in this journey that you've started with Jesus. But to receive your blessing now, if you would just open your hearts, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you with the strength and courage to surrender all. May the Lord bless you in your coming and in your going. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, church. We'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>